All Stars in Transit, where we talk travel to all stars, the people working behind the scenes at AirAsia. Travel is our common passion, and we'd like to share with you our stories, tips, and recommendations. I'm your host, Abby, and this week, our guest is Daphne, Head of Communications at AirAsia Super App. Welcome to All Stars in Transit, Daphne. Hi. Hi, Abby. Thank you so much for having me. And so I would like to first ask you, how has your journey in AirAsia been like? When did you start and in what roles? I joined in as a interactive marketing and social media executive. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, back in June 2009. But to be honest, I actually came in with one intention where I really wanted to be part of the PR and communications team for AirAsia. Somehow found my way there. And so by January 2010, uh, I was part of the PR and communications team. Back then, uh, we only had two airlines, but throughout these 14 and a half years, uh, you know, I've had the opportunity to uh, grow my career. Uh, I mean, eventually becoming PR manager, and then uh, I was able to be part of so many amazing things. Throughout 2017 to 2019, I was also given the opportunity to do sustainability. So myself and uh, four others, uh, we were the pioneers of um, the regional sustainability team, which is now um, headed by uh, our chief of sustainability, which is Manching. During uh, COVID, we, you know, branched out and we became so many entities throughout the group. And uh, here I am, very thankful that I'm given the opportunity to head up the communications team for AirAsia Super App. Wow, 14 and a half years. So what is it exactly about the company that kept you here? Definitely the culture is a place where I feel seen, I feel heard, and also the opportunity to meet so many people from so many walks of life, from so many different countries. And because I'm in the PR and communications team, you work with literally every department uh, throughout the whole company. So it also gives you a very good perspective of the business. I've always had opportunities to grow. Every time you feel like, oh, maybe there's nothing else here for me tomorrow, <laughs> something exciting happens again. And you learn more, you grow more. So I'm very thankful to be part of the journey in this place. So even though the company has grown so much bigger, there's still that pioneering spirit that you can start something, yes. you know, and make yeah. something happen yeah. here. D definitely. Like here for us um, in Super App, it's only been uh, nearly two years that, that we started. But look at where we are now. We have a ride-hailing business. We have an, a flight OTA, online travel agency business. We have, you know, a dine-in reservation <laughs> business, and, and we have have all these amazing engagement products, I would say, like AirAsia Chat, our own messaging, AirAsia Rewards, is limitless. And that's why I'm so grateful that you gave some of your time today because you're so, so busy. There's so many. Uh, it's my, my <laughs> pleasure, really. You want to talk about diving anytime. I'll make time. Oh, yes. <laughs> and that is the fun part. And we're getting there. Yeah. Because this show is about all stars and their travel experiences. Let's find out about your dive experience. How did you get started in diving? 
Yeah, so um, actually I got my open water certification uh, back in March 2014. But how I started was all the way back in 2013 where there was an ex-colleague who just started diving as well. And this ex-colleague on a nearly daily basis asked me, hey, when are you going to come diving with us? And it went on for many months. One day I decided, okay, fine, I would just say yes. Uh, but I actually got my certification. I passed that certification only on my second attempt. And uh, yeah, and after that, you know, uh, there's no looking back. It's a great uh, recreational sport, but takes up a lot of time and money, but worth worth every minute and every ringgit and cent. So you travel to dive? Oh yes. And being an all-star is the best part about traveling to dive, yeah. Because being Air Asia staff, we are able to probably travel a lot more than most yes, people. Yes, yes. And aside from that fact, you get to travel with your colleagues who also share the same um, travel benefits, so to speak. And we all end up eventually as, you know, like brothers and sisters. And you, you really create that bond when you travel together. Oh, yeah. very that, true. That's one of my favorite things. Can you name some of your top dives? I've only been diving mostly in ASEAN, uh, Malaysia, Thailand, um, Indonesia, Philippines, and then the odd Maldives. But one of my top dive destination is actually here in Malaysia, on the east coast of Peninsula, Malaysia. It's an island called Pulau Tenggol. Tengol Island. Uh, it's about 40 minutes off of the coast of Dungun. Uh, Dungun is a little oil and gas town um, in Trenggano. It's about three and a half to four hours drive from KL, which makes it really easy for busy working people like us. Uh, so you drive after work on Friday, you dive on Saturday, you can still dive on Sunday, and then you drive back in the evening or at night on Sunday, and you go to work on Monday. A very tight schedule, <laughs> I think, yeah. But it, it's worth it. So Pulau Tenggol, uh, or Tenggol Island in, in uh, Dungun, not many tourists uh, know of this place because I would say that it's quite diverse, scuba diver, free divers, exclusive. Most of the resorts on that island cater to divers only. And among scuba divers, it is really known as a mini Sipadan. I've been diving there since 2014, actually. I got my certification there uh, in Tengol Island. And year after year, you would think, you know, oh, there are more people coming here. The environment would deteriorate or you would see less marine life and things like that. But even after COVID, when I went back, everything is in abundance. It's like every single dive. I've done almost nearly 200 dives just in Tengol alone. Wow. Every single one is a new experience. It's one of my favorites. Uh, but of course, across Indonesia, Indonesia is my favorite country to dive, actually. Um, just Bali alone, the diving is out of this world. Manta Rays, uh, Mola Mola, um, and then there are a few other destinations that I've had the opportunity to dive in in Indonesia. Uh, Komodo, Raja Ampat, uh, and Derawan. So that's across uh, West Papua, 
uh, and like the corner of Kalimantan. Uh, yeah, it brings you to all these places that you normally wouldn't go to, but as a diving destination, it's amazing. But as a travel destination, it's even more amazing because, you know, you learn so many new things. Like you go to West Papua, yes, it's part of Indonesia, but the people are different, the language is different, the food is different. It's really an enriching experience. Diving is one part of it, but what you get out of the whole travel to dive is, is really yeah something that builds you into a better person every time, I would say. That sounds fantastic. As yeah. a diver, you go off the beaten path yep. and you discover so many things that like regular tourists would never come across. Yes, yeah, like the Rawan. Um, it's at the corner of Kalimantan, which is actually not too far off from Lahat Datu in Sabah. It took us nearly 30 hours to get there. But yeah, I spent a week diving there and it's like untouched. And the people that I met, uh, the community, the local communities that you meet there, there are also uh, different dive operators who who open dive centers there. But their aim is to give job opportunities to the locals and you know teach them English, uh, and then eventually they become dive masters. Yeah, you see all these things, and it makes you feel like yes, while I dive and I feel happy because it's my hobby, you also know that you contribute to something bigger than just making yourself happy by diving. And you're also so aware of the environment and the impact that you leave. Yeah, it is important. And I think um, this would come naturally to everyone who becomes a scuba diver or a free diver or any kind uh, of, of, you know, ocean or water sports person where you realize that when you're down there, the beauty that you see, you know that you have to conserve this or preserve this for the future generations. You cannot let this disappear. Every time you dive and every experience you have also humbles you and makes you realize that you are just one small part of such amazing things. Whether you realize it or not, it will make you into someone who is aware about the environment and that you will want to do something about it. Ah, yeah. That's such a good motivation. It is, yeah. Since you've mentioned Indonesia and Malaysia, mm. how about other ASEAN countries? Do you have favorite spots in each country? For the Philippines, uh, I would say my favorite spot would be uh, Malapasqua in ah. Cebu. You know, people from all over the world travel to Malapasqua to see the thresher sharks. I went to Malapasqua uh, probably one year after I got my open water certification. And I think that's also one of the things that got me hooked on traveling and, and diving at the same time because yes, seeing the treasure sharks is one thing, but I could also spend a few days in Cebu savoring the food and, and also meeting my colleagues, you know, all stars who are there. I would say Mala Pascua uh, is one of my favorites. And there are also a few places in Puerto Princesa, which I would like to go and Hopefully, I will find the time oh. to go um, after this. Yeah, I would love for you to go to Coron or El Nido. Okay, <laughs> done. <laughs> 
How is it like diving with thrasher sharks? Whether it's dangerous, the answer is no. <laughs> um, because where you dive uh, is actually, a, we call it a cleaning station, which means these thrasher sharks, they live really deep in the ocean and they would come up very early every day at about four something, five in the morning, right before sunrise um, to these rocks where cleaner wrestlers would come and like eat the parasites off of them. I see. Yeah, so that is the only opportunity you can see these thresher sharks. Um, so what is the feeling of diving with thresher sharks? It's mesmerizing, to be honest, because they have a very distinctive look. Um, their tail is really long. Um, so, yeah, I remember one uh, swimming past me because what happens is that they're actually very timid and shy as well. So um, all the divers who go down to this site, they, they put up a line and you have to stay behind that line. Mm -hmm. And you're not supposed to go chase after the sharks if they come up. There's no guarantee that you see them, but about 80-90% of the time uh, you do. But behind that line, what is the distance between you and the cleaning rock? Eight meters maybe five okay. eight so meters. it's a safe distance of course um how about thailand uh here's a confession the only time i have gone diving in thailand was when uh, we went there as a big group of all stars to do a reef cleaning in pattaya so uh, I've never actually gone anywhere else in Thailand to dive. Uh, I heard the Similan Islands are amazing. And of course, uh, nearer to us, there is Koh Lipe, uh, near Langkawi. And because I go back to Pulau Tenggol so often that I don't have the opportunity to go to these other places in Thailand. So hopefully I will break my habit of going to Dumun on a monthly basis and try other destinations. Do you have specific criteria for the places that you visit? The only criteria is that we will have a good time, which, you know, the divers community, we would say um, every dive is a good dive. There's no such thing as bad dives. Certain days you're looking for more adventurous stuff where you want to dive in strong currents because only when there are strong currents, you have the big things coming by, the pelagics, the whale sharks, the big sharks, the cobias, the everything else, the big stuff, right? Big schools of fish, barracudas. But without... Uh, currents, you see cute little fishes on the reefs and all that. What is a good dive? What is a bad dive? It depends on where you are in your phase of diving life, I would say. <laughs> um, so yeah, like I said, you know, there's no such thing as a bad dive. Every dive is a good dive. Even bad dives are good dives. Since you mentioned the strong currents, mm. have you ever had an incident where it could have gone really downhill if you hadn't been careful? Yes, yes. I believe it was Komodo. Komodo is definitely known for its super strong currents, but that is also why everyone flock there to see the pelagics. They are, you know, amazing. Of course, before we dive, you know, we are definitely trained and briefed properly about each dive site. Um, because we say you have to plan your dive. If not, you plan to fail. 
Yeah. Um, so uh, at, at this particular uh, spot, we do know that sometimes there is a down current. And what down current means is that uh, instead of the current going horizontally, it actually goes down, down and up. That sounds very dangerous. Yeah, yeah. So if you do not uh, monitor your dive computer um, and your depth gauge regularly, you might not actually realize that you're being pulled down by the down current. So one particular dive site, I cannot recall the name of the dive site, myself and my dive buddy, we could feel... Like one moment we are looking at this coral and another moment we are, you know, seeing something else and our ears are hurting because of the pressure. Uh, and we checked our dive computer and we saw like, oh, wow, we are actually like four meters below where we were earlier. So because, you know, diving is actually all about safety as well, which is why you go through all these different certification levels. It's to help you understand better how to take care of yourself while diving. So immediately we started finning to, to go up. Thankfully, our dive guide was also very attentive and he saw us and uh, he, you know, kept beckoning, hey, come here, come here. And we're like, okay, we know what's happening. So we started swimming uh, towards him. After a particular uh, level depth, it, it was okay. Because usually these down currents are you know, specific parts. Yeah, it's not the entire ocean at the same time. You had mentioned the dive computer and the depth gauge. Yeah. What do they look like? Are they like watches? Yeah, so the dive computer, I mean, um, the old ones look uh, big and clunky, but the new ones would look uh, pretty much like anything uh, you would wear as a sports watch. So even the Apple Watch, the latest one uh, has a dive function. So you could actually wear it down. It calculates how long you can be at a certain depth. If you've just joined us, you're listening to All Stars in Transit, where we talk travel to the people working behind the scenes at AirAsia. My name is Abby, and today I'm speaking to Daphne of the communications team at AirAsia Super App. Daphne, I'd like to ask you, do you have any fun and memorable experience from these trips? I'm sure you do. Instead of fun or memorable, I would say funny. It's funny. memorable because it's funny. Sure, that works. Uh, yeah. In January or year end up till about March, instead of going to Tengo, I would go to Sabah because over here in Peninsula Malaysia is the monsoon season. Yeah. So um, where I would normally go uh, in Sabah is, of course, uh, off Samporna, the islands over there, you know, Mabu, Kapalai, uh, and of course, the very famous Sipadan. So on one of these trips, I was actually um, in Mabul Island. I was, you know, happily diving and looking at a very pretty frogfish. Uh, for those of you who don't know, do Google um, frogfish. They are all types. They're really cute. Back to my story, I wanted to actually tell you um, about an encounter I had with these sea creatures called feather stars. Is it a starfish? Okay, I don't know the technicality of it, whether it's part of the starfish family, mm. but imagine um, a feather duster floating in the sea. 
it kind of looks like that and it, they are usually like blackish, darkish in color but the edges are like fluorescent green, fluorescent orange so imagine a feather duster, a black one with green edges, yellow edges, orange edges Oh definitely eye-catching I, I was just, like I said, you know Looking at the frogfish, um, they are quite small, enjoying the view because they are quite rare as well. And uh, as I was moving along, because this frogfish and that dive site that I was at, there are several um, like underwater stru structures that people put up so that um, corals can grow and it becomes like a fish uh, habitat, right? I didn't realize that there was a rope above me uh, as part of the structure. And uh, I swam into the rope, which normally it's, it's fine. But I suddenly felt like there was a weight on my head. And I was like, oh, what is that? I thought maybe, I, yeah, okay, I bumped into the rope. Then I put my hand on my head and I realized a feather star was stuck to my hair. Oh, so what would you have to do then? Yeah. So um, I was half panicking because um, how these feather stars stay to one place is they literally, you know, like uh, latch on to, to you. If it's a coral, there are like parts of it that latches onto the coral. And I was so afraid that it would start latching onto my scalp. So uh, my dive buddy, who is my boyfriend, Thankfully, he, he was looking in my direction and I was like, you know, indicating to him my head, my head, and he started laughing. <laughs> Not the reaction yeah, you, you wanted. Exactly. You could see him like laughing underwater, bubbles coming out from his regulator. And yeah, he immediately tried to help me uh, remove the feather star. And uh, only after that, we were like, oh, darn, we should have, you know, taken a video or taken a picture of it because what it actually looked like was, you know, how uh, those ladies go to horse races. They wear these huge oh, hats. Like, yes, yeah. the fascinators, they call them. Ah, the okay. small little yeah. things. Like, yes. Yeah, so it literally looked like I had a fascinator on my on my hair. <laughs> so it was not difficult to remove? Um, not difficult, but there are some parts of it that got stuck in between. So we had to spend another like five minutes wow. five minutes going through my hair and pulling it out. <laughs> uh, that's quite some time. Yeah, uh, yeah. To be with a sea creature that doesn't want to let go of you. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I I would like to apologize to this feather star for disturbing its afternoon siesta. Oh <laughs> yeah. Uh, feather star if you're listening, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah that that was quite a really uh, funny and memorable uh, experience, yeah. Well, that's cool to be one with like wildlife. <laughs> one with, literally, yes. <laughs> Such close uh, encounters with yes. them. I wanted to backtrack and talk about community because diving is not something that you would typically do by yourself. Usually, we bring a buddy or a group, right? Yep, yep. Yes, uh, the act of diving underwater you should never do alone you should always have a dive buddy but to plan a dive trip uh, on your own definitely i highly recommend um, to people because that is how uh, i've met some of the closest friends that i have now which uh, i knew from scuba diving 
for, for busy people like us who work in the, the corporate world, you know, I do my weekend dives in Tango and it doesn't necessarily mean someone can come with me all the time. So at any opportunity where I can go and I check with the dive center and they have a spot for me, I drive there. And yes, uh, I am not part of a bigger group, but I will be on the same boat with a group of people that I will get to know. I mean, a proper dive center will always make sure that you are assigned a dive buddy as well. And uh, most of the time, for individual scuba divers, they would pair you up with the dive guide. Over the years, I've done many solo trips, not just to Tango, a lot of solo trips to Bali, uh, a lot of solo trips to uh, well, a lot of the parts of Indonesia, <laughs> uh, and even to Sabah. And diving is like a, a friend magnet tool, I would say, because the shared passion really is diving and that's all you talk about and then eventually you get to know each other better and then you become friends for example i have an upcoming trip uh in a few weeks out of the 11 people eight are people that i know very well but i knew them from diving from a few years ago yeah, and now we spend a lot of time together. Uh, we know about each other's personal lives. We care about each other. We talk about each other's families. And there's uh, another three who are new to the group, but that's how you, in a way, grow that community. I've had friends, not had, I have friends from Spain, Italy, Greece, a lot of other places you know, that I normally wouldn't meet these kind of people if I don't dive. That's also because Southeast Asia has some of the most diverse um, Correct, marine yeah. waters, right? We, we are right smack in the middle of uh, what we call the Golden Triangle, uh, the richest marine biodiversity within that Golden Triangle. So yeah, more reason to actually explore because everything is around the region already. Yes. Actually, we're very, very lucky. Yes, very. And, and, you know, especially Indonesia and the Philippines. Oh, amazing. Is there a particular type of dive site that you like? Earlier uh, in my diving days, maybe uh, the second or third year, uh, I prefer dive sites that uh, will enable me to see bigger things, you know, like sharks, turtles, um, whale sharks, and all these other big things. Uh, Bumphead parrotfish, Napoleon rats, those are all the things that we always want to see when we're diving, right? But um, as I, you know, do this more and more, I realize that there is also a whole other world, which we call uh, macro diving, uh, where we do macro photography. And it's also one of the things that I really love. And for macro diving, you don't uh, exactly go to dive sites where high probability of big things swimming, swimming through, but 
it, it could potentially be a dive site that is just literally sand. Macro diving, we call it muck diving. To any normal person, you'll be like, why did you bring me to this empty spot, right? Like, what exactly do you want me to see? But um, if you know where to look, and uh, if you have a good spotter, you'll actually be able to find a whole other world full of small little things uh, called nudibranchs, as well as, you know, uh, very pretty like shrimps, uh, crabs, orangutan crab, harlequin shrimp, Zanzibar shrimp, pom-pom crab. It's a very small crab, like maybe uh, a quarter of the size of your thumb or slightly smaller than that. And it carries two anemones to ward off enemies, I guess. Yeah, uh, predators. And, uh, and most recently, what I truly appreciate are dive sites with healthy corals. And uh, Pulau Tengol really, <laughs> yes, I'm back to Pulau Tengol again, has really, you know, some of the most amazing uh, healthy coral reefs on this side of uh, Malaysia. And why I like uh, sites with healthy coral reef now is because the site of a healthy coral reef equals to a healthy ocean. And a healthy ocean equals to, you know, a healthy life for us on the planet. I know that Batangas in the Philippines is well known for mackerel yes. uh, diving. Batangas, Anilao, yes. Uh, yes, Anilao. That's one of my bucket list, actually, ah. um, to go macro diving um, in Anilao. Since you mentioned small things, do you do macro photography? Yes, I do. I do. And uh, um, in the last two years, I've invested into better camera gears, camera equipment uh, to improve my macro photography. The place that I always go, Pulau Tengol, uh, yes, there are also macro photography there, but you know, there are other places, for example, like Anilao and uh, my macro diving, macro photography bucket list would be uh, Lembe in Indonesia. Yeah, they have like, you know, amazing macro critters there. I suppose that underwater cameras are a lot more expensive than regular cameras. Um, funnily, it's not the camera that is expensive. Oh. Um, it's just any other normal camera, but it is the underwater casing and the lenses and, and the lights and all of those things, uh, the tray that you need to invest in that is very expensive. I see. Yeah. How about big creatures? What is the biggest creature you've seen underwater? Um, for now, uh, it's the whale shark, which Pulau Tengol is famous for. <laughs> um, if you're really lucky, you know, uh, they seem to appear there a few times each month. Uh, but in my many, many years of diving there, uh, I've only met the whale shark once. <laughs> Moving on to non-dive travel, mm -hmm. can you tell me which are your favorite places? Thailand, for sure. Uh, Chiang Mai, Chiang Rai uh, would be my top destination in Thailand. I, I prefer quieter places, but 
not too quiet. So, you know, places like Chiang Mai and Chiang Rai, it has a very good balance. Uh, and I love the Northern Thai cuisine. <laughs> it's one of the best. Um, so, yeah, just I, I usually like to go there to just chill. And there is also a thriving uh, cafe scene there uh, in Chiang Mai and Chiang Rai. Switzerland. Wow. <laughs> Switzerland. Nature, right? Like, I, I don't know. I can look, stand there and look at the Swiss Alps or whichever Alps, you know, for like the whole day. <laughs> it's, it's, it's too beautiful. Yeah. Um, I, I would travel to hike. Uh, I, I only started hiking in the last uh, two years. Uh, well, as a result of COVID and being stuck here and no diving, no regular diving, right? So you have to find something else to do. There, there have been a few trips where my friends asked, hey, let's go to Mount Bromo, let's go to Mount Ijen. Again, you know, all in Indonesia, how amazing is Indonesia, right? But uh, I, I feel like maybe I'm not at that level where I can climb these places, but I will make it a point that I, I'll get myself fit enough to climb, uh, to scale these mountains or hills. So far, which have been your favorite mountains to hike? Here in Klang Valley, uh, my favorite is the Satya Alam, uh, uh, Satya Alam Trail. Um, yeah, it's a good eight kilometer trail. It leads you to a very nice mirror lake. So for those who are listening, if you're in the Klang Valley, give it a try. At this point, are there any travel hacks that you can share, especially for people who are planning to go on dive trips? Yes. So as a diver, I think uh, for most of the places that we end up staying, you know, they are not five-star hotels. It's bare minimum places which are, you know, clean, comfy beds, but not, not like four seasons, right? What I always do is I carry hooks with me you know the s-shaped hooks. hooks yes yes s yeah. hooks. Um, because you know as a diver you need to hang your t-shirt your swimsuit your towels to dry um, your wetsuit um, and sometimes even your camera gears and things like that you know you want to hang them out to dry you you have your booties you have your mask your mask strap lots of everything carry s hooks you will love this tip and your dive buddy will also love this tip. Apart from um, the S-hooks, um, I would advise that, you know, always carry a pack of basic medicine um, around uh, paracetamol, imodium, charcoal pills, novomine, clarinase. Oh, the whole, <laughs> yeah. the whole cabinet. I'm like a pharmacist right now. But uh, these are really important because, you know, sometimes like you're in the heat too much, you get a fever, you get headaches, or you travel to exotic places, you eat something and you get stomach upset. Um, you're not too comfortable on the boat ride and you start feeling seasick. Uh, so all these things will help you out and make your trip um, a better one. The other one that I hope everyone would remember uh, is, of course, reef safe sunscreen. Usually they, they have a logo or, or an indication on the packaging. Uh, yeah, that says reef safe. And I think it just makes you feel better that, you know, you're not bringing in chemicals that would damage um, the, the coral reefs. Yeah, right. yeah. 
I think you touched on this earlier, mm-hmm. but you had mentioned what else is on your travel bucket list. So number one on my bucket list is actually the Galapagos Islands. Oh, wow. Oh, that's definitely part of a bucket list, bucket list. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I think I've got to save up uh, a while more uh, before I can make this trip. Because, I mean, if I'm going to travel all the way there, it has to be an epic trip. It will definitely be. Yeah. So definitely number one, Galapagos Islands. Uh, Number two would be uh, Banda Sea. What's Uh, in there? Schools and schools of hammerhead sharks. Yeah. The third one would actually be Fiji, the South Pacific. I've heard a lot of um, amazing things uh, about this place. One of the main things that attracted me to Fiji is that it is known as the soft coral capital of the world. Over there, it would be endless as far as your eye can see. And they are thriving. They are untouched. I mean, I wouldn't say entirely untouched. A lot more and a lot healthier, a lot better than what I've seen. Yeah. So I definitely hope uh, to go there. And and of course, over there, they have all the big things, all the small things. So all in one. So these are three of the big, epic uh, bucket list trips that I, I hope to do. So we have come to the end of our show today. I would like to thank you so much, Daphne, for sharing so much knowledge and so many new destinations that I've never heard of, actually. But even as a non-diver, I think they would be like worth exploring just because it's a different world out there from the usual tourist places. Yeah. Yes, thank you for having me. It's uh, been really super fun uh, to talk about something I'm so passionate about. Uh, So yeah, I hope everyone enjoys listening to this. And if you picked up a new idea for your next trip, tell a friend about this podcast. I'm Abby, and this has been All Stars in Transit, where I talk travel with the people working behind the scenes at AirAsia. Life's a trip. Enjoy the journey.